Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Coffee with Kush. Today we are going to go through the anatomy of the perfect ad campaign. I've wanted to do this podcast for years, pretty much since I saw the ad campaign. Um, because I think that there are certain things within ad campaigns which just resonate perfectly. And the campaign that we're going to talk about is uh, Never Say No to Panda. Um, which is uh, an Egyptian ad campaign, which was a series of, of ads, won loads of awards. In fact, so that uh, I give everyone due credit, let me just uh, give you some of the facts about uh, the, the, the campaign. So it was for Panda Cheese, which is a cheese, obviously, in, um, uh, in Egypt, uh, the, Arab dairy, the Arab Dairy Company. The agency uh, was... Uh, Advantage Marketing. Uh, the created the creative was Elephant Elephant Boutique Agency in Cairo. The director and copywriter was Ali Ali. Uh, you'll find him at ali2times.com. And creative director was uh, Majid Nasser. Um, and the producer was Hossein Fozi. Production company was The House. Uh, and this campaign won loads of awards in 2010. It won uh, two Grand Prix finals at the Dubai Links International Advertising Festival. Uh, it won a Silver Film Lion at Cannes International Advertising Festival in June uh, 2010, and a Gold for Film at Epica Awards. Awards aside, it's just a great campaign. And what I find interesting with not just this campaign, but all awesome ad campaigns, is they all have certain traits. What I want to do today is like dissect them. Now, what is the anatomy of a perfect ad campaign? So, um, I should also mention that it revived a specific song from uh, Buddy Holly. What's the song called? It's called uh, True, Love, True Love Ways, Buddy Holly. And in fact, the, um, the, the Buddy Holly estate wrote a letter to the producers of this campaign, thanking them for like reviving that song and reviving interest in, in Buddy Holly as well. So, um, it's an Egyptian campaign, it's in Arabic, but I'm pretty sure everybody has seen it. If you haven't seen it, all the links are in the show notes. So all the links to the, to the campaign are in the show notes, as well as links to um, the agencies and the directors and producers uh, of the campaign. So you can click on them. But in case you're too lazy to do that, uh, I'm going to play the video now. If you're listening on Spotify or whatever, then you're going to hear the audio. Obviously, you won't see the video. So I'm going to play the video now and uh, we'll show maybe one of the ads and maybe we'll show other ones uh, in a little bit. Faiz, I'm going to buy some roots to give me. Just you know why. Alright, so look, there are three sort of levels of analysis that I want to do for this campaign. The first one's like the macro analysis, because ultimately if you're doing an ad campaign, you got metrics, right? You're trying to do something specific. So did it do those things? 
The second one is like the microanalysis, if you like the anatomy. What are the key structures within the campaign that really worked? And it all revolves around actually one concept, one core concept of juxtaposition. And then the third one is the microanalysis. I want to sort of talk about very, very specific, minute details you probably wouldn't notice, but, um, you know, I, I do notice them. And they all add to the experience. So, let's start with the macro analysis. Was it successful? Well, there's no published data on, like, um, sales of panda cheese uh, as a result of this campaign. But you don't have to look very far. Pretty much anyone in the marketing industry knows this campaign. Pretty much anyone... Um, who follows YouTube trends knows this campaign. If you go to YouTube, there are loads of videos um, around this specific campaign, hundreds of millions of views. So if the objective was awareness, I mean, it achieved that objective. But it would seem impossible to me that it didn't have a direct impact on the sales of Panda Cheese. And why? Because ultimately, as marketers, all we're really trying to do is get people's attention, right? We're like the middle child just screaming in the corner, trying to make sure people look at us and listen. And so this ad screams and people noticed. I mean, loads of people noticed. So it seems almost impossible to me that it wouldn't have had a direct positive impact, not just in the short term in terms of revenue, but also in the medium and long term. There are certain campaigns that I think will stand the test of time, and this is one of them. Like, even the videos themselves are old. If you look at them, like, you look at the computers in one of them, the computer in one of them, which is the office scene, I mean, it's a really old computer, right? So, the concept itself will stand the test of time. And that's why, personally, I think this is the best ad campaign ever created. Um, and by the way, I have no affiliation to Panda or to the agencies or to the specific people involved. I have no affiliation whatsoever. I first saw this when I was working in Camberley in South England. So... Um, I've got no affiliations at all, but I just think that this is the perfect, the perfect ad campaign. Um, and one of the reasons is because I think it will stand the test of time. Another reason is that I don't know what the budget was, but it's obviously really, really cost effective. It is easy, none of this is easy, but it's relatively easy to create an epic ad and spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars doing it. I'm thinking like Nike's 2008 World Cup ad with Rooney and CR7. I think Figo was in there as well. You know, creating that kind of an ad, you can do that and they are epic for that moment, but they cost so much. And they don't stand the test of time because they're so technology dependent that the technology moves on. Like at that time, it was incredible to see these transformations. But actually, now, it just looks a bit dated. It's like watching the Matrix movie. When I first saw the Matrix movie in 1999, those effects were incredible. And now it's just like standard, like really standard stuff. And the technology kind of dates the content. Um, but this campaign, it is unashamedly old. And the core concept just won't ever change. The, the beauty of it is so human that it just won't change. And I think one of the other reasons I love this campaign so much is, apart from the fact that it will stand the test of time, apart from the fact that it obviously wasn't 
very expensive. You know, I'm not saying it was cheap because it, it wasn't. It, no ads are cheap, but it wasn't a um, hundred million dollar budget. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, but uh, another reason is because it's just so simple. It's a really, really simple concept, but insanely human. As we move into like the AI world where AI just does so much for us and in the short term um, will basically impact every industry, particularly our industry, particularly marketing, but every single industry you can think of. Finding something that is like just human I think it would be really difficult for an AI to understand why this campaign is so good and to recreate something that is that good. That's a challenge for any anyone who's um, heavily into AI at the moment. Like this campaign, it really, it, it just is so simple that it can only have come from human minds. It's like, it's almost going to be the last bastion, this creativity of humanity is going to be the last bastion of AI, like the final step, the final war. AI can do the math, it can do the astrology, it can do the science, it can do the medicine, it can even come up with creativity or creative ideas if you give it enough prompts. And with AGI, that's going to be even more true. And I think the last stand that humans will have in terms of, uh, not our war against AI, because we all use AI, but in our war to understand our value alongside AI, creativity and being able to create innately human experiences, I think that is the last stand. And this is a great testament to that last stand. And I really salute Ali Two Times and uh, Majid Nasser and the whole team um, for this campaign, which um, I'm sure is probably by this stage, because it's like 15, 20 years ago now, probably at this stage is, um, it's probably a heavy, a heavy burden to bear uh, for them personally, but nonetheless, you know, they've created something beautiful and I think it's worth dissecting why it's so beautiful. So at a macro level, it was, it's obviously achieved its goals. So at like the anatomical level, if we were to de deconstruct this ad, why is it so effective? It uses, one core concept, and that concept is juxtaposition. Juxtaposition is a fancy way of saying placing something next to something. And placing something next to something isn't necessarily difficult. What's difficult is to place two things that are incorrect next to each other. It's very difficult to explain, so let me just go through the like, specific examples. First and foremost, the campaign revolves around a panda, the cutest of cuddly animals. I mean, it can't be any cuter, unless you had like the, I don't remember if you remember the um, dairy milk, not the dairy milk, um, uh, caramel, dairy, uh, Cadbury's caramel adverts with the bunny panda, no, sorry, the, the, the cute bunny. Maybe that's more cute than a panda, but in the, I mean, it's such a cute panda. It's not a big panda. It's in no way intimidating. It's just a panda. And yet, it does the most horrifically aggressive things that you can imagine. Like, it just massively overreacts. 
And that's a juxtaposition, because like you wouldn't expect, firstly, you wouldn't expect a panda to be walking into a room. That's a strange situation by itself. But more importantly than that, the, other, the bigger juxtaposition is that it does something entirely out of, out of character for a panda. It is, so that's like a, another main juxtaposition, it's really cute and acts really aggressively. So the, that's like a juxtaposition in and of itself. And in every one of the campaigns, it's built around that concept that you have this cute, furry, cuddly panda that reacts incredibly aggressively to something that's relatively mundane. What is that relatively mundane thing? It is um, somebody choosing not to eat panda cheese. I mean, in itself, it just sounds stupid. But when you watch the, the video, it makes a, a lot more sense. The next juxtaposition is with the music. The music's really serene, and the scenes before the panda appears are also really serene. So you've got this really beautiful, serene music in a really serene setting. So let's take the example of um, what I think is the best of the, of the campaign, the hospital scene. So in the hospital scene, you know, there's a patient lying in his bed, he's watching TV, it's cool, calm setting. The nurse walks in uh, to bring him a cheese sandwich and the music's playing. Uh, as soon as he says, uh, no, the, the music's playing and it's just really calm, serene setting. Then suddenly, the panda appears. And it goes from like serenity to out and out chaos in all of the ads, right? So in this one, it's like a really sinister type of chaos because he, you know what's gonna happen. You know that, because this is like, I think it's the third one in the series. So you know that the panda's gonna do something aggressive. The guy's in hospital. So you're kind of hoping that it's not too aggressive because the guy's in hospital. And what does he do? He pushes the TV off the stand and it makes this big crash. And then you're like, okay, well, something else is gonna happen. What's he gonna do? He's gonna punch the, the patient, what's gonna happen? And he just pulls down on the patient's um, drip. And it's so sinister, like it's such a small act, but incredibly sinister. So you move from like this perfect serenity to absolute chaos. Um, another good example of that is the pizza one, the pizzeria, which I think, again, is number four or number five in the series because by this time you already know the sequence of events, right? So, um, you know, someone comes in and says, oh, I've got Abdelaziz. Oh, the, the character in the, um, in the pizza one is called Abdelaziz, which is nice. That's my name. Uh, it says, oh, we, didn't, we don't need any more cheese because he only brought one pack of cheese. The guy went to the shop, bought one pack of cheese. And the panda appears and he goes, in Arabic, he says, by God, it wasn't me, it was him. And the panda just looks at him. And again, the music's playing, so you go from this perfectly serene, calm setting, and then he just slaps down on the uh, flower. Flower goes everywhere. That's not enough. So he takes the sauce jar and pours sauce everywhere. And he just creates chaos. So you've got this beautiful juxtaposition of serenity followed by chaos. And then you've got the second juxtaposition of the fact that this cute panda creating like incredibly aggressive scenes. So these juxtapositions are all kind of working together to create this perfect experience. Then you have a third juxtaposition between normality 
an absurdity, all right? So you have a very normal situation, a birthday party, and you've got the birthday party and there's, they're singing happy birthday, perfectly normal scene. And then suddenly, no one ever questions where this panda comes from, by the way. It just appears. And that in itself is absurd. The panda is standing up, it's absurd. It's just staring, it's absurd. And then it acts in this incredibly aggressive way. So you've got this third juxtaposition of normalcy and absurdity. And you've got all these three juxtapositions all working together at the same time. And I think um, that the last of the major juxtapositions are, um, it's funny and intimidating at the same time. So the ads, uh, are humorous just by the nature they're, they're really humorous ads but at the same time after you've seen the first ad you know that you know the play-by-play -play, you know how the sequence is going to play out you do have a moment of oh god what's going to happen next that just a small moment like in a horror film where you know um she goes down the dark alley by herself no oh god what's, what's going to happen next and that same feeling comes that um intimidating feeling comes and like I said on some of the ads it's like a really overt um, aggressive reaction as a, as a result of the intimidation so in the park for example he takes the ball and pops the ball and um, that's really overt or in the supermarket in the there's two supermarket adverts but in the first of the supermarket advert he takes the whole full trolley and tips it over and then he um, starts jumping and dancing on top of, of the trolley. So you've got like really overt aggression and then you've got, or intimidation, as the payoff of the intimidation is really, really aggressive and overt. And then the payoff sometimes is more subtle from that intimidation, like in the hospital scene where it's a much more subtle type of intimidation. So they're probably the four major juxtapositions that happen. There is potentially a fifth one, but I kind of like, I, I count it slight, uh, slightly separately. So whenever we're doing any form of campaign, we're thinking, are we doing a hard sell or a soft sell? Is it a hard sell like, um, you know, you must buy this because it does this? Or is it a soft sell, which is like showing a product in a, in a scene or in a setting? And the Panda campaign is one of the few campaigns I've ever come across that successfully does both. It is both a hard sell and a soft sell. Because you've got this cute panda who's essentially selling panda cheese, and you have a tagline and an experience which is literally never say no to panda, always buy panda, always eat panda cheese. And it's kind of, so that in itself is a juxtaposition where you've got kind of both um, the hard sell and the soft sell at play at the same time. I mean, I actually fully love this campaign. I don't know if I've said that. I don't know if I've said that yet, but yeah. I completely love it. And I have since the first day I saw it. There are small things in the campaign that I suspect most people wouldn't pick up on. And they all add to the experience. <clears throat> One of the most important things is that there are three elements of audio happening. So the first is background audio. In all of the scenes, there is a background audio. Sorry, in all of the 
ads in the campaign, there's a background audio. The second one is the Buddy Holly song. And the third one, which most people won't notice, is silence. The use of silence really adds to the impact. So the music's playing and then it stops at an incorrect point. It doesn't stop at a natural point in the song. And there is a moment of silence. And that moment of silence increases the anticipation and also somehow increases the intimidation because at the same time as the silence, you always have the staring panda. Firstly, this panda appears out of nowhere and it's staring. And so those two things combined, like the use of silence is just genius. In every one of the ads, the use of silence is genius. I think one of the other things that I always notice is that watch the ad again and look specifically at the panda's face. And there's a couple of things to notice. The first thing is the panda smiles. It is smiling. Its standard face is a smiley face. Um, again, that creates a separate juxtaposition, right? Because it's not just a panda. It's not just a cute, fluffy panda. It's a cute, fluffy, happy panda that acts this way. And that all adds to that, like, cute and aggressive juxtaposition that I was talking about before. Look again at the advert. Whenever the camera is full face into the panda, it blinks. It does that. The panda itself blinks. And that's such a small detail, but that kind of humanizes it. It's, you know, it would have been easy for this to come across as really kitsch, like it's a, like a robot panda or something like that. And it doesn't, it's obvious, you know, it kind of humanizes the, or, it makes it feel more real. Just the small blinks of an eye of a panda just makes it feel just that little bit more real. Um, one of the other details that I love is how they try and create all of the scenes in single takes. Like it would have been easier to do this by cutting at different points um, but, and using different equipment. So there's two good examples of that. The first one is the pizza scene, right? Where he slaps down onto the flower. Now, you could close up at that point, you could have zoomed right into that, and then it would have been easier to get the whole flower exploding effect, and you wouldn't have to do so many takes, right? But they obviously didn't. They obviously set it up whereby and God knows how many takes it took because they must have had so much cleanup to do on that scene. Where he slaps down on the table and flour goes everywhere. And so by doing that, it just gives such, so much more of a natural feel to the entire campaign experience. And another example of that is the first um, supermarket scene where uh, he decides, you know, the panda tips the trolley over. Look at the panda's feet when he tips the trolley over. Because, again, it's a trolley, right? You could have had a stage trolley. You could have had a little block next to the trolley so that when he turns it over, he just has some resistance to be able to turn it over. You could have had fake shopping in the trolley. You could have done anything to make it easier for the panda to tip the trolley over in terms of production or in post-production. You could have made that much easier, but they didn't. They made it as real as possible. He puts his foot in front of the front wheel to give him leverage and he tips the trolley over. 
that tiny detail just gives like, again, it kind of humanizes the panda. It's like, okay, it's a real thing. He, that's how a human in that scenario would tip over a trolley. Such a minute detail, but like really impactful, I think. And then the third one, which is in the, la um, in the second supermarket ad, where um, the child says, oh, can we get this? And obviously, you know, the panda appears and the dad knows what's about to happen. So it's like, okay, give me one. And then the panda's still there and he goes, fine, give me another. Takes another and walks away. And then the panda just, he doesn't walk backwards. He twists, he like pivots to the side and they walk past the panda. Again, such a subtle little thing, but it's almost like the panda only appears as your blocker when you make dumb decisions, like not buying panda. I absolutely love this campaign. I think it will continue to stand the test of time. There are lots of really good examples of ads that use juxtaposition in this way. Um, Dollar Shave Club's original advert is one that, you know, if you go back and find that, that basically made them famous. It was like one of the first YouTube viral ads. I think they sold the company to Unilever or someone a big pharmaceutical for a, for a lot of money and, and a lot of their acquisition was based on that ad. Um, there is another one by in Sudan that happened by Kindle Solutions for a tea called Mazaj, which again uses that juxtaposition, the, the chaos and calm juxtaposition and also the serenity um, and of the music uh, and also the use of silence. It uses those three as well. Um, but this campaign uses all of them it was cost-effective, it delivered on its promise, and uh, yeah, I think in 50 years' time, people will still talk about this campaign. They won't be talking about this podcast, but they'll definitely be talking about this campaign. And the entire team like, should bask in the glory of that. I'm sure they have at the time, and I'm sure now it's probably more like, okay, I've moved past that. Also, if you go to ali2times.com, Ali, uh, if you go to his portfolio, you'll see that he's just done incredible work after that, uh, after that campaign too. And so these guys have all, and all the agencies have done some incredible work after that. Um, and then my final thought on this is just congratulations to Arab Dairy, um, the client, if you like. A lot of times as an agency, you go to a client with an out there idea and they want to play it safe. And Arab Dairy took the risk to go with this campaign, because it was a risk. There's no doubt about it. This is not a standard, normal campaign, right? So they, they took the risk to do this, and um, that takes guts from a client. So bravo to them. They did, like a, they did a great job in terms of just accepting the risk. Uh, I love this campaign. I hope you love it too. Um, all the links to the campaign and the people that I mentioned, the companies are in the, are in the show notes. Uh, or if you're listening to a clip, they'll be in the clip notes too. And uh, um, I've got actually a few questions from uh, the audience that I never normally get round to doing, but I've got a few minutes this time, so I'm going to see if there are any questions worthwhile. So um, Sarah from a creative agency, Sarah Thompson from a creative agency, she specifically asks about um, how do you go about selecting the right music for your campaign? Well. It, that's such a broad question. It really depends on uh, the overall campaign. What you're trying to do, if you want to choose the right music, the easiest way to do that now is to look at how TikTok creators are choosing their music, right? 
because they've almost perfected this art of choosing the music. And the, the, the key is to find something, to find content that doesn't directly go with your storyline. You want something that's a little bit offbeat from the storyline. If we were creating just a pure play ad, you would want the beat and the storyline to be in sync, right? But if you want your ad to be memorable, you want, it can't be completely off sync, but it needs to be slightly off sync. So um, the Mazaj advert that I was talking about before, if you, I'm gonna put the link to that in here as well. Uh, it uses a Vivaldi um, classic, classical music, by classical music, I don't know which one specifically, by Vivaldi, and it, it plays that in a scene of absolute chaos. So even though it's in slow-mo, it's in super slow-mo, but it's absolute chaos, and it kind of goes perfectly, but it, it's entirely the wrong music for the scene. So selecting the right scene, sorry, selecting the music that is slightly off beat with the scene, I think is always really helpful. Let's see if we can do one more. Uh, Aisha Patel asks specifically about this advert. Considering the cultural context of Egypt, how did the campaign resonate with the local audience? So that's a really good question. I wouldn't have been able to answer this question if I did this podcast last year because I didn't live in Egypt. I do live in Egypt now, so or at least I'm here quite often. So I can answer that. Um, so before we were doing this podcast, I asked uh, a group of people, and they're all um, like born in the 2000s, whether they'd heard of this campaign. They all have. They've all heard of the campaign. They all know the campaign. They can basically recite the campaign by heart. They're really proud of it. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Egypt is just the pure level of um, creative expertise that are here. I honestly think that Egypt is is on par, if not better, with than the best advertising um, uh, countries in the world. The agencies here are just extraordinary. Um, and I've always kind of known that, but from afar as opposed to up close. So from afar, whenever I traveled um, and I was flicking through channels, if I saw an Egyptian channel, I'd wait for the adverts. Not to watch any of the TV shows, just to see the Egyptian adverts. Now I live here, I get to see them all the time, and they're just, it's just a different level. It's just a different level. So to an extent, yeah, it's still very memorable here in Egypt, but to another extent, ads in Egypt are of such high quality that it almost, I don't want to say it fades into the mass of awesome, but it kind of does because, you know, every week there's a new campaign out here and, and they just do it so well. Um, I don't have any questions. Uh, Jim, you got any questions? No? No questions from Islam. So um, that was episode 39 of Coffee with Kush. Join us for the next episode. In the next series of episodes, we're going to be exploring the psychology, uh, sort of psychological tricks, psychological things that happen within marketing. So we're going to sort of dissect certain psychological expert um, uh, elements of, of, of marketing in the marketing mix. Probably we'll do it over like three or four different podcasts as opposed to all in one. Uh, otherwise, I'd have to talk for a long time. Thank you, as always, for listening to Coffee with Kush. Make sure that you follow us wherever you listen to us. Share, give us your thoughts. You can contact us at contact at kush.digital. Uh, and if you have any ideas for future podcasts or if there's any specific questions that you want us to answer, don't hesitate. Just drop us an email and we'll cover it off.